and gentlemen, this is your cruise director, Tyler. Hope you're out there enjoying another beautiful day on board as we sail these high seas. If you've ever wondered what goes on behind the scenes of a cruise, it's time for you to pull up a stool, grab a drink, and buckle in, because you're about to hear stories that no other guests have heard before. Welcome to the crew bar in an episode of Ship Faced, confessions of a drunken cruise director and friends. Let's sail away. And there is my baby girl. Hi, Mom. How are it, you? I'm fantastic. <laughs> it's Kathy. Hi. Mama's baby girl in front of me. She um <laughs> was my daughter in uh, a musical we were in together. And we have thus held appropriately the mother-daughter connection ever since. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I was 43 years old at the time that I was playing your daughter. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> and you still look like my daughter. You know, living life <laughs> to the fullest. Awesome. And so the time we're going to talk about here on our um, podcast of All Things Cruise Life was uh, when for you? What, what age were you entering into your work on cruise lines? Oh, gosh, it was right after Disney. So um, so you worked at Disney on land? Yes. In Orlando. In Orlando. Okay. Uh, we uh, were doing the World Dancers um, show at Epcot Center. It was Epcot Center at that time because okay. I'm so old. Um, <laughs> and Barbie, that mean, mean Barbie, came in and uh, threw us out. Oh. So, um, yeah. So she one sounds of the cruise nasty. Lines, she, yeah, she was. She was really, uh, she hurt our ethnicity. <laughs> Those blonde-haired, blue-eyed people just came in and, and <laughs> kicked all of us ethnic people out. Thanks, Barbie. Which is what Epcot's all about, right? Right. Ethnicity. That is anyway, weird. one of the cruise lines um, got wind of that and came and hired our entire cast for their cruise line. Awesome. So that was a godsend. And that was the beginning for you. And that was the beginning of ship life. Yes. Had you ever like taken a cruise before as a guest? Never. And so this was your first time like out at sea. Yes. Awesome. And you were how old? Oh, gosh. This was 1993. So I don't know. I don't do math very well. <laughs> okay. 93. That Except sets it up well, though. To count to eight, obviously. Okay. Yes. Great. So this is long before. Um, 93. The iPhone. This is before, oh I think AOL came Way in. Way before iPhones, yes. My life at like 95, 96? 96, maybe. Okay, this yeah. is exciting. We get to talk about cruise life before all this technology and the unique things and rules. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, protections for people. Lack <laughs> of rules. Right. Good night. Okay, so, you, and you went on board as a performer. I did, yes. So we singing, dancing. Mm -hmm. Show life. Show life. That's okay. right. And at the time, we were told that we were going to, you know, double as cruise staff because um, at that time in cruise life, the ships were much smaller than they are now. Okay. So, like, how many guests would you ballpark? Like, um, I think my very first uh, contract was 1,500 passengers. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. And now some of them easily host up to between three to five thousand i can't um, imagine 
like the mid-range ships, I think. Cool. Tell me, how was that adjustment for you? For finding where you lived on board and you had a roommate or you got your own cabin and your adjustment to ship life. And how long was your contract? Um, well, rent kind of got thrown in to the mix because, um, of course, they had hired our whole team from Disney to come in and be one team. But when we got there, they were teaching, I think, two teams together. And the other team was having a hard time with kind of leadership, you know, someone who could lead the team. And so the director called me in and said, hey, listen, I know you don't want to do this, but I really need you on the other team to be the line captain because they have no one that can step into that thing. And of course, I was like kicking and screaming, no way, because I had been with all of my other friends for four years you know, and we all had great relationships. So that was a hard thing right at the beginning. And then, so we had already been through our nine weeks of rehearsal. And then now we're going to, you know, step onto a ship and get put in. And I don't even know these people that I'm going on to the ship with. So And you're in a sense hard. their leadership. You're their bo yeah. mini boss, right? Of the exactly. Okay. And it was, it, as you can imagine hell ensued it was crazy yikes yeah i can't wait to get to that so you went on and did you all essentially you your like head was the stage manager and then you as the captain of the performers how, what was the kind of flow of hierarchy there so the hierarchy was cruise director senior assistant cruise director like at that time they didn't even view the performers as crew members they were viewed as cruise staff right so that also danced <laughs> and did the shows. Okay. So yeah, the hierarchy was cruise director, senior assistant cruise director, and then all of the cruise staff. Okay. So I was senior assistant cruise director. So my immediate head was the cruise director. Wow. Yeah. So you just got on ships and then that quickly you are into an assistant cruise director position, having never done this, never, never. been on ships. Right. And you're expected to not just sing and dance. But kind of know right. all these things for the ship life. Yeah. Tell me all about this. Oh, goodness gracious. Huh. <laughs> yeah, you had to take the role of scheduling people to do activities that no one knew how to do because you're all new. Um, and unfortunately, the cruise director was <laughs> a complete drunk. So he would sleep through all of his deadlines for, I don't know if, if you, when you were on the ships, did they um, slide a little thing under everybody's door each morning to tell you what activities were happening that day? Yes. Like the, the daily program essentially. And he, the cruise director was responsible for that. But if he didn't meet that deadline every day, guess who? Yours truly, the senior assistant cruise director had to fulfill that deadline for the printers. So yeah, it was, it was nuts. So you're doing all essentially of the work of an event manager to put yes. together the programming and like all you're right. the editor for it to send it over for print. A very all-inclusive job that is now essentially like three or four positions. Sure. And not, not even speaking about uh, wig care and costume care and fittings and, and sizing people and finding, you know, fixing costumes. I mean, all of that fell on me. That's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, it was crazy. And the cruise director sounds familiar. Like many cruise directors, like uh, they're a, a light bulb and then they're crazy drunk. Not everyone, but it's a it's a pressurized role. And I've sure. the, the, 
funny, odd title, obviously, of this podcast, Confessions of a Drunken Cruise Director. Uh, the notion that every cruise director has a flask in his back pocket is not, <laughs> not true. There's many wonderful good ones, but my experience and my sobriety is uh, one of those reasons why. Uh, I was great, but at the same time, high pressure got me with the addiction that I brought to the ship. So it sounds like Mr. Cruise Director on your end did the same. Yes. So would you watch him like sloppily working in like drunken states? Oh my gosh. No, we'd watch him at night. And that's when I would go, oh no, I better check to see if, you know, and there was no email, there were no cell phones, there was nothing. So you'd get a knock on your door at midnight saying, hi, I'm sorry. So-and-so didn't do the events for tomorrow. Can you please get up and tell us what they are? You know, his door is right next door. You're welcome to knock on his door. They know better. Right. Oh, that's wild. <laughs> um, so what was your relationship like with this cruise director as the assistant cruise director? Oh, it was non-existent. Non-existent. He, he didn't have anything to do with us ever. In fact, there was a show that was for pub night or something like that that involved, um, you know, finding a passenger. We each had a character in the show to sort of go out into the passenger world and find someone that would like to perform that character in the show. And then you had to teach them that part and then they'd perform it on pub night. It was like this comedy show. And he was in charge of that show. And yeah, I mean, the only time we ever even spoke to him was that night, whatever pub night was. And you have to just watch from afar being like, how is this right. sir so beloved by the guest? Right. And then, so that's your relationship going up. How is the relationship with all of the dancers and uh, performers looking at you? Uh, <laughs> not great, because obviously I'm the one who's involved in, you know, anyone who's in authority. No one really wants to get told, you know, that they're doing something incorrectly, right? You have to figure out a way, you know, I had never been in that sort of leadership position, so... I quickly had to find a way to speak to these very fragile beings, you know. That's not how we did the eight count from the last contract. That's right. Type stuff. You know, who are yeah. all very new, you know, brand new. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you can guess how they viewed me. So I was stuck in the middle. What a rock and a hard place. So what did you do for some peace? <laughs> what a fine so companionship. The DJ, God bless him. He is my friend to this very day. And this is what, 30 years later? Um, yeah, he is my good friend to this day. He comes into town. We see each other every time he's in town. Um, he was my saving grace. I escaped to his room or to his wherever he was DJing that evening and just stayed with him. He was my protector from all of those very mean people. On both sides. Because I was very sweet and naive and all of the above. Yes. <laughs> How long did that last? Um, well, I, that was an eight-month contract. <laughs> and all nievete is out the window. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. The, oh, you wondered how, how long I stayed naive. Hmm. Maybe a month. <laughs> into the eight months what was like a, a great like oh oh that's how things are out here moment for you um well the dj god bless him i mean he would he was like you know where do they, <laughs> they he chose a different passenger every night to have relations with 
<laughs> not guest relations. We no, not guest relations. <laughs> relations, guest relations, relations. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I just remember looking at him and going, oh my gosh, like he's either a stud or he's really crazy. Or he or just the, doesn't care. Or he's the DJ. Or and it's something the out there whenever you're in like positions of like, Mr. DJ, Mr. Cruise Director, whatever, that people are like, oh. The guests especially look at like a treasure hunt, but then as well, I'm sure the opposite direction. But how how crazy that like it was a common thing for him. And now these days, any hint of that is like, bye bye. Right. You You're gone. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I'd see him sneaking uh, passengers into the crew area and into the crew bar and the Holy Grail. Yeah. And of course, I wasn't really going out a lot because I had so much responsibility that I right. had to make sure I knew that the cruise director was, wasn't going to take care of it. And I learned very quickly that they were coming to me for all of that information. So about a month into it, I was like, okay, whatever. If it doesn't get done, then it's going to fall on his head, not mine. I, I quickly realized. Great. So... Then I just started having fun with everybody. <laughs> awesome. And interestingly enough, once I started having fun and I wasn't so serious, then my cast members started enjoying my company more. Yeah. It takes a minute to get the balance out there sure. uh, because you still have to be a leader, a boss, a directive to get things in place and make sure they happen. But yet it's cool. It flows. Yeah. If, if things fall short, they fall short. There's right. tomorrow. Right. Or the next show. Cool. Um, who did you, other than the DJ, who did you find as your um, like close confidant? Did you find any, sh uh, you know, in the shows, we've got showmance. Uh, was there any shipmance for you? Um, there was on that first contract. Struck up a really good relationship with the ship's doctor. Oh, that's a good person to know, to be yeah. close with. He was really kind, very kind man. I had a very bad problem with ingrown toenails, um, being in the character shoes all the time. Mm. And so he did surgery on both of my toes. And after that, we were like, oh, we just, I would just go down to his cabin, which was, you know, away from everything, so nice and quiet. And nobody knew that I was down there. So no one could find me. No one could knock on my door. And so, yeah, he and I struck up a little, a very nice romance. It was very nice. I like it. <laughs> and a perk of that, you got surgery at sea. So right. Ship surgery. Ship, at sea. <laughs> ship surgery. <laughs> <laughs> on your ingrown toenails. Well, he just happened to be a plastic surgeon by trade. Wow. That's funny. Yeah. That's, that's like a whole show in and of itself, the ship. Uh... Yeah. And his job is a whole show in itself. Yeah. What did you see uh, oh, in and out of his gosh. infirmary? Well, our cruise line was known for being the cruise line of the blue hairs. <laughs> so people would literally book cruises to die on. <laughs> Welcome to it's over cruise. Right. <laughs> Enjoy until it's your time. Right. And so lots of our time spent together would be him just venting about the fact that, you know, he's their their terminal care, you know. Right. He's so their they hospice. Would come and they would have maybe two, you know, on a 15-day cruise, maybe they would have two great days and then they'd be in his care for the rest of the days and then die towards the end of the thing. So 
you know, he would sit and listen to all of their stories about their, how, what a great life they had and how their life is over and, and how they're leaving this world and how they chose to leave this world this way. And that weighed heavily on him. So it, it was nice that I was there to sort of let him release any of that energy because uh, more cruises than not, he would have gurneys lined up waiting to get off. Wow. And disembark. Yeah. Gurneys full of deceased passengers. Full of deceased passengers. Yes. <laughs> that is that is a wild image to like think about, but it's like it's so true. And I, and I saw the same of like um, so many people do. They use uh, cruise ships as a as a nursing home. Or the final, yes. like, why not? It's sometimes right. cheaper than right. nursing home. You get better food and care. <laughs> right. Um, interesting. Yeah. Did you ever, so as crew, you have to like wait for your turn to disembark, right? Yes. You're, you're waiting down in the hallway and always right before they called us as we're waiting in the hallway, right before us would always be the dead. Right. There they go. Guests Gur first. Gurneys go off first. And now you may leave. There you go. Yeah. Cast members. Bye. Like I, I, I was talking, I actually interviewed a ship doctor um, mm -hmm. and we were talking how just like, it, it's the simple things. People forget that it's a, it's a floating hotel. It's out, right. you know, on the ocean. So a wave or a lurch like sends people rolling downstairs, crashing into things, things crashing into them. You kind of have to be aware and alert. And it's the absolute last thing that people are is aware and alert. Right. They're just like on vacation. But did you have dating the ship doctor? Did you see other like any other wild emergencies or things happen that you're like, oh my gosh. The only other wild emergency that I witnessed was um someone having a heart attack and a helicopter, Coast Guard helicopter having to come and and take them off of the ship. Yeah. That's a unique thing to experience and witness. Yeah. Yep. For your eight-month contract, how many itineraries did you get to go on? Um, let's see. We did Mexican Riviera first for about three months. Then we did um, Trans-Panama Canal, so Ooh. back and forth from L.A. through the Panama Canal and to Fort Lauderdale. That's a popular one. Everyone loves that tight little pinch. I did not. No. It was not my favorite. And then the tail end of that was Western Caribbean. Nice. It, it's funny. I don't know about you. And I, this is like a first world thing to say. But like, I, I was like, I'm tired of beautiful beaches after seeing them for eight weeks in a row. Um, but there is so much beauty out so there much beauty. and down there that it was truly a joy thinking that you're still working or getting paid while you're out there in those places. Oh, my goodness. On my second contract, it was the rule that you get, you know, two months off in between contracts or, you know, whatever. Oh, that is never the case. Someone's always injured. Someone's, you know, always needs a fill in somewhere. So I did three consecutive eight month contracts with no time in between. So as soon as my contract was done on the first ship, they flew me directly over to England to do the Baltic Sea, someone was injured over there. So, but when we were cruising the Baltic Sea, I was just in awe because I, A, never thought I'd ever get to Europe in my lifetime. Yeah. And B, every day you're in a different country and allowed to go, you know, with the, with the tour groups and, and just allowed to do this for at no cost. 
Right. Like you're getting paid to see the world. It was the most incredible time. So you're sitting here telling me you spent two years on cruise yes. ships. Yes. I lived on a ship for two plus years. Yes. That's it's after that two years trying to adjust back to the land life. I don't think I had a problem. I was always worried about where the next job was, where the next gig was, you know? So when I had decided that that's it for ships with me, I was more worried about where my next gig was going to be rather than, am I going to be able to adjust to land life again? Right. I don't think it took me any. And again, I, I keep hearing this, that it's just such good money. You, oh, yeah. You have nothing to spend money on. No rent. No Nothing. Unless you're just out there like, I need to buy this and drink here and eat there. So there is that risk of like when you're seeing these places and you're like, right. you get that vacation mentality, like we're here once, let's do it. Um, and finding that, that balance in there, you'll blow all that money. But otherwise, a great way for a young person to see the world, put good money in their pockets, meet people from all around the world. Who are some of the most interesting people you worked with that uh, made your second, third contract wild and interesting? You know, always the cruise director was always the interesting person on board because normally they had the most experience, you know, so they had been everywhere. So it's always great to hear their stories um, when they were coherent. <laughs> <laughs> their coherent stories. They weren't all like that. But get, um, get the mic away from them, please. That and the, the guest artists. So um, any of the people that would come on board um, in port. So when we were in port, especially in Alaska, all of those people were so amazingly interesting. Um, all of the, you know, dance troops that would come aboard and perform when you're in port for a certain number of days. Oh, Hawaii was amazing. All of those dance troops, the fire eaters, the, the hula people, the singers, all of the Hawaiian people. So interesting. Did you ever have any like scary moments on any of these ports of call or in between like out at sea? Were there any moments you're like, I'm not going to make it out of this? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I remember doing a bridge tour um, on my first ship, which was very, very small. And the showroom was in the back of the ship, which normally because it was very old ship. Normally, the showrooms are in the front. Yes. So it was all glass. So when you were in the showroom, like calling bingo or doing whatever during the day, and sometimes all you could see in the windows was sea, sky, sea, sky, sea, sky. That's how much the ship was listing and rocking and how high the seas were. But I specifically remember doing a bridge tour during a very bad storm. And they have this chart in the bridge that says, you know, category, whatever, 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 this is what the waves will look like. And I remember the passengers saying, um, I don't think we should be in here because look, it's like category 10. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, everybody come this way. And then, you know, the captain comes in and says, yeah, everybody has to get off the bridge, whatever. Oh, yes. Scary times on that ship because it was a very small, small ship. Again, bridge for everyone is the cockpit of the ship. It's where like the captain and nautical crew uh, maintain everything these days from the push of a button or a dial, typically. But uh, back in that day, probably some unique, more old school fashioned uh, concepts to navigate. 
And then the ships um, in the Baltic Sea are all built like um, ferries. So they have flat bottoms. So the Baltic Sea does not get very big seas, but any small little wave of anything, the, um, the ship sort of like flies over and then slams down back onto the sea. So anytime there was any sort of disturbance in the Baltic Sea, the ship would slam and then shake and vibrate and everything would come falling off of your walls from everywhere. Middle of the night, slam. Oh, we just hit a wave. Those were scary moments. It's wild just listening to the old, you know, almost old tale ways of cruising that it's just like an expected thing for things to come shattering or breaking. Like, of course it is. We're on a, we're on a boat. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Um, but now there's like stabilizers and all these uh, beautiful technologies that are mind-blowing in the yes. way a ship can perform and uh, feel like nothing at all. And I always say, I, I have never been on a cruise ship as a passenger, never in my life. I would love to take a cruise. To this day? To this day. That's so wild, Kathy. Like that you spent two years back to back performing, yeah. but you've still never sailed as a guest. Never. Why do you think that is? I don't know. My family's, well, because I've always been busy. My family has gone on many cruises for the Mickey Mouse. And, you know, I just never, I have always been working. I've never been able to join them. Yeah. But I would love to. What's something you regret not doing during that two years and something that you definitely regret doing? I most definitely, my biggest regret that I didn't do was that first team at the end of that eight months got the chance to go on a world cruise. So 180 something days yeah. around the world. And I chose to leave because we just, we didn't get along. And I didn't think 185 days with those people was going to be the best thing for me. Right. So I definitely regret not doing that. Like looking at that, that could have been the worst 180 days of your friggin' life. Like still seeing beautiful scenery, but it tainted with melissa and her annoying you know whatever the cast for um the conflict right but i think to myself could i have gotten past that in order to see the world right yeah you know that's that's always in the back of my mind i mean weekly yeah. i think about that <laughs> we got to get you on a world cruise then i know tell my husband i will um <laughs> and then what is the re one thing you do regret doing Oh, gosh. I don't know if I regret doing anything. I didn't really do anything terrible that any other human being hasn't done. You know, I was young and wild and carefree. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the drinking was intense. We had um, what was called a 90043 account that we were supposed to like groom passengers with like, you know, sit and talk to lonely people because yeah. mostly they were old people or, you know, buy them a drink and ask them if they want to dance at the captain's cocktail party. So we had this account that we could use for that purpose. But of course, we never used it for that purpose. We used it to go out at night to the club. And, and you all go sit in a corner by yourself. Ship based. Yes. Right. Right. And go through the entire ship's. Ew, this is gross. This is probably the biggest regret. The entire 
ship's inventory of gold schlager. Disgusting. Oh. Disgusting. <laughs> the gold schlager cruise. The gold schlager cruise. That's incredible. Nasty. The entire ship's inventory. That's. Yeah. Well done. I mean, On the 90043 account. <laughs> yes. You polish that off. Uh, it's funny. I had the same thing. I had an account specifically for me, only me, mm -hmm. uh, that I think like was 150 bucks a month. But I mean, I'd blow through that. It, 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 it's it, drinks were inexpensive, and yet I would blow yes. through it. So it's like, right, yo, the frequency and right in my time there was implemented no spirits, and it was beer and wine only for crew. So I don't know if it was a chance or a, a try to help crew drink less mm. but my personal drinking got worse because i was like challenge accepted and because gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> i was definitely doing well with all those spirits but sure. uh that that was only in the crew areas i could drink anything i wanted anywhere right but um were there any restrictions or um zero <laughs> oh my gosh no restrictions ever the only thing the only real rule that you had to follow was that you had to be back to the ship before they raised the gangplank. How did that go? Um, not so good sometimes. <laughs> had to buy a couple of air flights to the next port. No way, like when? Oh my gosh. In <laughs> with the DJ, of course, in uh Puerto Vallarta, we rented a Jeep to go up to Chico's Paradise. Way up in the mountains, right? So you had to leave your ship ID and your driver's license at um, the hotel where we rented the vehicle. Go up, rent the vehicle, come back down. When we came back down, no one was there to receive the vehicle or give our information back. So we're calling, you know, from a payphone, obviously, whoever we can find um, to for somebody to come to this hotel office to accept the vehicle and give us our IDs back. Yeah. Nope. There goes the ship. Bye ship. The, I love <sighs> this story and I love this time frame because what people cannot relate to right now is wait, what? You didn't have a cell phone to call the ship to let them know you're late. You didn't have nope. a like it was a pay no phone. email. You no had nothing. to have a coin to make that phone call happen in your pocket or borrow a coin from someone who had one <laughs> to make this phone call. <laughs> and yet you did just fine. You you yeah. figured it out. We called um, the the person in charge of entertainment in L.A. Hi, the ship left without us. What do we do? OK, here's what you do. You call this number. We're going to, you know book you a ticket we're going to take it out of your paycheck for sure for the week, out of your paychecks and you're going to meet the ship in the next port that's what you're going to do and so if you had a role in a show that night if we had a role in a show that night they had to do it without us luckily we didn't have a show that night but the very next morning when we roll up to the ship you get called immediately to the captain's office how'd that go Oh, not good. He was so angry. And, you know, they're all like Norwegian or, you know, they're all from Europe. So they're all very stern people to begin with. And you feel like one inch tall. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. It'll never happen again, sir. He doesn't want to hear why you were late. He doesn't want to hear that the people weren't there. It's doesn't matter. It is your fault. 
So now he takes your ID and you are now stuck on the ship. You may not go ashore for an entire cruise. So put baby days. in the corner. Baby in the corner. Oh, wow. Baby and DJ in the corner. Oh, <laughs> Thank right. God we were stuck on board together. Right. How long were you in the bad where bad children go? <laughs> 15 days in the chokey. No way. So for yep. 15 days, you couldn't get off at any port to call. Yep. That sounds crazy to me. It was. <laughs> yeah. Again, in the era of no internet, no nothing. Right. You know, VHS. You got VHS tapes. Did you did you have a TV and VHS player in your room? I then? did. I did. I won it in the very first uh, poker tournament. Uh, the very first hand of poker I ever played in my life. I won the tournament and won a VHS TV combo for my room. That's such a Titanic story. In a <laughs> poker game. It was a poker game. She won a VHS. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, how was your cabin? My cabins were all amazing. On the first ship, I was senior assistant cruise director. So we were up on the 10th deck. Beautiful okay. picture window. Come on. Yeah. It, it was lovely. Lovely. Um, you know, and we were very blessed to have all statuses. So we had crew status, we had officer status, we had passenger status. So we could go anywhere on the ship at any time, eat anywhere, do anything we would like to. You know, the entertainers were the only ones who had all of the statuses. Did you ever meander down to see like the engine room? And Oh, like absolutely. Oh, absolutely. We would go down and uh, the one pastry chef, the Italian pastry chef, um, he did not speak English, but I understand Italian, but I cannot speak it. So I would speak English back to him and he could understand. So we would have conversations, he and I, you know, at all hours of the night while he was baking the croissants, you know, I would just sit there in the bakery with him and just chat. Amazing. Yeah. And then the love language of pastry was flowing. That's right. Getting all those fresh pastries. I definitely remember like late nights, I'd be back, uh, you know, just shit faced on my way to my room. And I'd always pass by sometimes unattended the cookie and pastry room. And I would get like a paper towel somewhere and just stuff the fresh hot my fingers burning, and then wake up with pastry crumbs next to my bed. Like what happened? You ate all that, sir. Wait, what did I do? <laughs> Regrets. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah, how, how much were you making? As a, as a performer for these oh, Japan gosh. tracks. I think you were making like 700 a week. Way okay. back then, that was good. Yeah, that's that's some nice change for back then. Yeah, I mean, I was very blessed <clears throat> to, to get in at the very right time and get out at the very right time. Yeah. You know, it, it was the heyday of cruising, just like you said, these big groups. Like, it was the cream of the crop. You know what I'm saying? That came on the ships. It was very high class. They paid well because they knew they wanted people who were going to really do a good job. I right. Think, you know, and, and take care of these high class people who spent a large amount of money for this 15 day vacation. Yeah. It was the heyday. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, unfortunately, once the internet and cell phones and all of that hit, I think <laughs> yeah. things started going downhill. Which, yeah, it's, it's what made uh, that cruise life so interesting and 
um, appealing for you? I don't know that I would have been drawn to it if it wasn't out of necessity. We, you know, being kicked out of our show, you know, our show being closed out of nowhere and then being picked up by the cruise line. I, I don't think I would have gone out there and searched for it myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, it just never appealed to me in that way. Um, but now, now I really want to go on a cruise because yeah. I know what it's about. Yep. Did being on ships grow you as a person? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Number one, traveling the world and getting paid to do so was the number one thing that opened my eyes to everything. You know, I was just a small town girl from Erie, Pennsylvania, you know, and Orlando was a big jump for me. So, and, and Disney World was a big jump for me. But then to travel the world and be paid to do it, like just crazy. What would you say to someone who's considering working on a cruise line? How would you feel if you, one of your kids was like, I think I'm going to go work on a cruise line? I would love it. I'd say do it. Do it while you're young. Do it while you can. Absolutely. Travel the world. Get paid to do so because you never know when your number's up. <laughs> do you think you could go on a cruise ship to die? I don't think so. No. <laughs> no, I wouldn't want to put the ship's doctor through that. <laughs> Unless it was my ship's doctor, then yes. Right. What was the craziest thing you saw a crew member do or that happened to a crew member? My, my best friends, my best friends. And they were part of our Disney cast and, um, and they liked the marijuana a lot. And they were cabin mates on a different ship. And we would see them in, in port quite often. And so the three of us would, you know, meet and, and have a great time in port. And then one time as I'm leaving port, you know, I always would go out onto the deck and wave at them if they were still in port and they would be on the dock. And one time they had their bags with them and they were like, bye, call me at the next port. They had gotten fired because oh, no. the dogs came on and found all the marijuana in their cabin. Oh, no. And that was their last trip with the cruise line. Yikes. That's a unique thing, too, about cruising. You never know when various customs are going right. to pop in, check in on any level of things. Right. Um. Were drugs kind of rampant back then? Were they easier to get like on board? And did you I, hear of people doing them? You know, with all my naivety, I never, the only thing that I experienced was with those two and, and it was the marijuana and that was it. That was it. I, I never really experienced any hard drugs or, you know, it's just lots of alcohol. Right. Which is a drug in itself. <laughs> totally. Is there... um when you were on board, when you kind of wanted to be um, with yourself or just escape a minute, was there a place on the ship that you would go? Hmm. Well, I would always go to DJ's room, always. Um, but if I wanted to be by myself, oh gosh. No, I can't remember. I think I would just go ashore by myself. Yeah. You know, and wander and see the world. I would always go up to the sports court 
which was it was like the oh. most top tier level. Lucky we didn't is, have a sports court. We didn't have a sports court, <laughs> so it was encased with netting, of course, to play tennis or uh, basketball. And with nobody up there at night, it was just like the perfect overview for everything else. And I would just lay on the sports court and look at the stars and the black sky. And oh, that sounds beautiful. There was another level up there, and I'd just be sitting by myself to find moments and spots where you're not constantly on. And I would mm-hmm. just take breath up there. Yeah, I think mine was my cabin. <laughs> right on. Just hide in my cabin. Cool. Is there anything that you wished I would have asked you? No. I think you got it all. <laughs> then what do you think we need, friend? What do you think we need to enjoy this journey of life? Well, I know we definitely need belief in a higher power. <laughs> we need to be kinder to one another but especially to ourselves and just realize that everyone is human everyone and we're all on this earth together and there's no reason that you know we should be at odds with one another just see the other side and try to understand somebody else i like that answer isn't it fun just kind of going nostalgic and remembering and it brings about these Memories you haven't thought about in so long. It is. But when you do, how really cool and beautiful they are. Yeah. And to see how you've grown from all of those experiences. Cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing Ooh, your story. You. And uh, I've just loved seeing your face. And uh, I know. It's so nice to talk to you and see you. Wish yep. I could squeeze you. Me too. Get a hug from my baby girl. Love you, Mom. All right. Well, again, thank you so very, very much. Uh, for sharing here with us on Ship Faced. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you for having me. Okay, signing off. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Wild Stories at Sea. If you have any crazy endeavors out on the big blue, email me at cruisedirectortyler at gmail.com. That's cruisedirectortyler at gmail.com. We would love to hear your stories either on board or from the crew bar. And that's it for this port of call. Join us as we sail on to the next wave of outlandish stories on Ship Faced, Confessions of a Drunken Cruise Director and Friends. A quick disclaimer, while this podcast is based on the experiences of me and my guests, certain details may have been modified. And for privacy purposes, names of any all parties may have been changed. The views and opinions expressed here are mine and my guests and not that of any brand I may be affiliated with. Yes. Stop recording.